Welcome to the Being Well podcast. I'm Jan Orman. In this podcast series, we've invited people we know and admire to tell you their stories. My name's Paula Kotovich. So my name is Craig Sample. Evie Rader. Molly Shorthouse. My name's Percy Knight. I was a career detective in the New South Wales Police Force. I identify as a trans woman. I am a remote doctor in East Arnhem Land. These are people who may not have made the headlines, but whose stories are just as worthy of your attention as those you hear about in the media. Living with cancer. I was struggling with PTSD for eight or nine years. I just had a lot of fear. I was well and truly burnt out. These are people who have flourished and met life's challenges while managing their social and emotional well-being. Uh, my career now uh, is as a mental health advocate and educator. I led a team that negotiated a $22 million native title. It definitely taught me in my life a lot of persistence and gave me a lot of strength. We're hoping you'll find something in these stories to inspire you, whatever your situation right now. Have you ever experienced the positive therapeutic benefit of reading a great story? Peeping into other people's lives, in fiction or in non-fiction, can provide us with reassurance and comfort, as well as insight into our own lives and relationships. There's a form of therapy that makes use of all that. Let me introduce you to Germaine Lees, a bibliotherapist. I met Jermaine at a recent function to launch her book. I'm sure you will enjoy listening to Jermaine's story and perhaps even be inspired by the idea of reading and talking about books as a form of therapy. Hi, my name's Jermaine Lees. I'm a bibliotherapist and a psychotherapist and co-author of the book Reading the Seasons, Books Holding Life and Friendship Together. I was born in London in England and moved to Australia when I was three years old and I've been in Sydney ever since. I've been an avid reader my entire life and I'm married with three children. My children don't read. (laughs) My children, when they became teenagers, I think as an act of rebellion against me, all stopped reading. And my oldest, who's now 18, has, thanks to Book Talk, has now rediscovered reading and um, is um, going through Colleen Hoover and all those sudden resurgences of uh, books thanks to social media. Um, But the two boys, I still give them a book every birthday, but I don't know that they ever get read. Bibliotherapy literally means books and therapy, and it's a way of using reading to bring us comfort um, and hope. When, when we read, we are in the consciousness of another human being, and within that space, we can experience what it's like to live many different lives. And I have a favourite quote, actually, uh, from James Baldwin, the author, who said that you think your pain and heartbreak are unprecedented in the history of the world, but then you read. So reading can be a great way to normalise existential concerns, all our feelings, what it's like to be human and how other people navigate the world of what it's like to be human. Um, Mary Oliver, the poet, also once said she reads the way a person might swim to save his or her life. Bibliotherapy really highlights the importance of stories in our world and how we understand ourselves and that can relate 
that can relate to any art form, whether it be watching movies, listening to music, going to the art gallery, anything that creates a bridge between us and the author or the artist or the filmmaker and then gives us the space to think about their story in relation to our own story. And C.S. Lewis once wrote that for him, in reading literature, I become a thousand men and yet remain myself. And I think that says perfectly what accessing all these other stories can can give for us. It's a paradox because you think you're escaping your life by reading a book uh, about someone else's life, but in fact it brings you closer to your own life because you put yourself in their shoes or you imagine what it'll be like or it makes you then reflect on what choices you might make. So you think you're escaping, but in fact you're probably coming, You're well not probably, you are coming closer into your inner world by entering the world of a book. So I have been an avid reader all my life. Uh, I think with discovering the famous five as like an eight-year-old, I got lost in how books can create these whole other worlds and give you a completely different experience from the one uh, that you actually are living. And it was just very much, reading was always very much a part of my identity. And I went to university and studied English literature and psychology and sociology. And at the end of my degree, I always wanted to be a psychotherapist, but felt very unworldly and inexperienced and that all seemed a bit too real and I ended up going into book publishing and editing that the fictional stories kind of grabbed me and felt like a safer place to be and then I moved into a bit of writing book reviews and profiling authors and playwrights and people in the arts world and Once I had my third child start preschool, I realised that if I wanted to retrain, now would be the perfect time. And by that stage, I didn't feel so unworldly. I'd lost my father. I'd become a mother. Uh, I felt that maybe I could take on the world of therapy. And so I retrained and became a psychotherapist And just after I graduated from that, the uh, School of Life, which was an organisation started by Alain de Baton, the philosopher in the UK, uh, he opened up a School of Life in Melbourne and Sydney. And I had recently read an article in The New Yorker about bibliotherapy that the School of Life were uh, running. So reading this article in The New Yorker made me realise that bibliotherapy was the perfect marriage of my two careers that while they seemed so separate actually they were very very similar because they're both about stories and making sense of stories editing stories understanding how stories can help us on this journey of being human and so I contacted the School of Life and asked if they would be doing bibliotherapy in Sydney and they were. And so I interviewed to become their resident bibliotherapist and began seeing people one-on-one to talk about their relationship with uh, reading and did that alongside psychotherapy work as well. 
So when people would come to see me at the School of Life, they would fill out a questionnaire first about their relationship to reading, the past history with reading, books they love, books they don't love, what's going on in their life now, why bibliotherapy now. So when I do bibliotherapy one-on-one with people, I am more interested in starting a conversation with them about their relationship to reading and making that more conscious for them so then they go on in their lives always realising that extra support that reading can give them. After the questionnaire, they'd come in and we'd have a one-hour session where we may talk about their history of reading or their identity as a reader or actually what they were going through in their life now and how it was paralleling with what they were reading or what they were needing to read. And then after the session, I would come up with six books based on the conversation we had that could then help them continue the conversation with their own reading into the future. In my work as a bibliotherapist, I've seen many people from many different walks of life, most of whom I would say were going through big life transitions, the normal expected life transitions that we all have to go through, finding a job, retiring, going through a relationship breakup, finding ourselves after our children start school, all those things that feel very overwhelming as we're going through them and can be very normalised by reading books about people going through those things too. I think bibliotherapy is really useful for people going through life transitions because we're reading about what it is to be human and it reminds me of Samuel Beckett's, um, I think it was an endgame where he said um, we're human and there's no cure for that and maybe a cure for that is normalising these transitions by reading books about people who've been there before centuries ago. I think this goes to the crux of how reading into someone else's in a world can help us understand our own because everyone was feeling alone and isolated and stuck at a particular stage of life and looking for books about people who'd been there before and and done it and gone through those journeys it was lovely actually i remember i had a a bibliotherapy client who had had depression for uh, decades and she was in her 60s and she had a couple of old school friends who kept trying to get her to come out and socialize with her and she felt she wasn't able to do that and she came to this bibliotherapy session and at the end of the session she said I had no idea how much I had to say about books and how much I love reading And later she sent me an email to say that she'd contacted her school friends and suggested they start a book club and once a month they meet for lunch and talk about what they're reading. And it was lovely to think that reading gave her reason to socialise again. And similarly, I had a client whose husband had died and her book club gifted her the bibliotherapy session because she hadn't wanted to be around people. She just wanted to be around books uh, because they felt like the closest friends. And I thought it was also very poignant how 
books remain with us uh, through the good times and the hard times. And that reminded me of the Montaigne quote about um, there being three things in life, uh, friends, lovers and books, but actually the one, the only one that endures through life is uh, the books because friends die and lovers betray and leave us, but our books will remain our faithful companions. Bibliotherapy has helped me at every, during every life transition or every life stage and thinking about one that's just happened very recently uh, is my daughter finished school last year and has gone away to university, so not properly left home but is away at college. And I was really surprised that on the one hand I was so thrilled for her that she, after this pandemic and all this lockdown, she had the opportunity to be away from home and meet people and be around people her own age. I was really surprised at how much grief I felt about her not being part of her daily life. And I was then reading Anne Tyler's latest book, French Braid, and I didn't pick it up because I knew what the story was or that it would help me. It was one of those subconscious reading a book at the right time. And it is a book about a family growing up through uh, through the decades, not through generations, but through the decades. And towards the end, there's a line um, that I'll read out because it, it was just, it said every, it encapsulated everything I felt but hadn't been able to put into words. What nobody understood about David was that he had suffered a very serious loss in his life, two losses, in fact, two very dear children, Emily and Nicholas. It was true that these days there happened to be two very dear grown-ups who were also named Emily and Nicholas, but they weren't the same people. It was just as if those children had died. He'd been in mourning ever since. And it really helped me normalise the grief I felt about her having grown up because I couldn't understand why I felt sad about her childhood being over when she's right there. And I thought it was a really brilliant way that authors can put into words our feelings that we don't know how to put into or to articulate the same way and that just having that written there and feeling seen and understood just let go a lot of those feelings I had so I'll always be using books to enhance my well-being because part of being human is struggling with with what that means and I love a quote from a poet Mark Strand who wrote I don't think it's human you know to be that competent at life that attitude is far from poetry so I will always be looking to the words of other thinkers around well-being and emotional health to help me navigate my own life and as well as books, I find now I do also use social media to follow other thinkers like Susan David or Esther Perel, who write a lot about emotions and relationships and succinctly put messages up that remind us that all we can't have joy without sorrow, that all they're brought, the emotional health is about experiencing a broad spectrum of emotions. 
that normalizes the fact that it's not all about positivity and happiness, that a rich emotional world is actually experiencing the darkness and the light together. The, the School of Life YouTube video series of uh, where they animate different relationship issues or emotions we have or how literature helps us, how psychotherapy helps us are also a fun way in, in a very short, succinct way to normalise the trials and tribulations of being human. So soon after I started working at the School of Life in Sydney, I received an email from the resident bibliotherapist from the School of Life in Melbourne, Sonia Sakalakis, and she'd heard that I'd started and just wanted to introduce herself, and she ended her email with a currently reading and uh, and the name of the book. And I wrote back straight away with my I'm currently reading and a pen friendship just developed uh, over this shared passion and love of reading books. And the emails, which we describe as letters because they were very, where well, they were long and a lot of thought had gone into them and so email just seemed too <laughs> too dismissive or something. So our friendship really grew from books and from letter writing and I don't have that many pen friends anymore like I used to when I was younger, but I was wondering what it was that made our friendship so close so quickly and I think it was the letter writing after reading a comment from C.S. Lewis again, where he talked about writing letters allows you to enlarge upon feelings which would pass by unnoticed in a conversation. And I think that's what those letters did for Sonia and I, that we were writing in silence. We'd put time aside to write and really think about what we were saying. And I also think when you write about what a book means to you, you give away a lot more about yourself than you realise. And that then creates an intimacy quite quickly. And after a few years, we had both had to do some interviews about bibliotherapy and trying to explain it. Uh, and journalists would often say, well, what are the top 10 books for grief or what are the top 10 books for divorce? And we'd be so frustrated with trying to explain how reading is such a personal experience that what works for one person going through divorce is not going to work for another. And we suddenly realised that these hundreds of emails were actually bibliotherapy in action because we were writing about the books and what they meant to us and what they brought up in us and how they helped us move through the, the, the transitions in life we were moving through. Sonia had just gone through a divorce. I was going through this career change and midlife transition our children were all growing up and we decided that maybe our letters might actually make a book explaining what bibliotherapy was uh in in real time as it were and that's how the book came together so when the book got published we got to actually spend a couple of days together we met once in melbourne for a, a lunch and once in sydney for a dinner over 
five years and then we got these couple of days together doing book-related publicity, which was very strange after all these years of only writing letters to each other. And uh, the nice and the book was published a year ago and uh, now we're back to writing to each other, nothing to do with a book or publicity or anything, just back to writing about our lives, what we're reading, what we're going through and how those books are helping us or what they're bringing up in us that's helping us understand how to, how to be human. <laughs> so the book Sonia and I wrote together is called Reading the Seasons, Books Holding Life and Friendship Together, and in it is a series of letters written over the course of a year and also included is a book list of all the books that we've mentioned and the bibliotherapeutic ways of uh, reading those books too in that they're organised by malady uh, rather than by author or title. Uh, and the book's available from all bookshops or also from Booktopia or other internet booksellers. Last year I also started a podcast with the food writer Sophie Hansen called Something to Eat and Something to Read, and this podcast began after Sophie and I did an interview together and it reminded her of a friend's mother who lived on a big cattle station who always said, you don't leave the house without something to eat and something to read. And we thought it was such a great motto for life that we would start a podcast talking about book, a book that we both read. And then we answer a letter from a listener about something they're going through in life. And I prescribe a book to read and Sophie prescribes a recipe and if you'd like to keep up with that podcast, there's an Instagram page for it at something to eat and something to read. I also have a Instagram page called at the bibliotherapist. And in that you'll also keep up with the books that I'm currently reading and prescribing for others. Every book I read has the potential to be a bibliotherapy prescription. I'm always reading, thinking about how the characters or the themes or the messages from these books could help other people in different life situations. And I feel it's very important that I understand the books I've read to then understand the people sitting across from me in their story and how those two meetings could be most beneficial. My current reading list is diverse as usual. I've just finished a memoir by CJ Hauser called The Crane Wife, which is a book of beautiful essays about life and Thank love. You for listening. And if there's been anything not just romantic love, family love and friendship love. Don't forget to and talk to your I, person. Now that I've finished a memoir, I plan one, to go three, back to fiction one, one, and on the one, shelf four. is Geraldine Brooks' and if you'd like to hear new release horse, which I'm looking forward series, to you can find reading. it on the Black Dog Institute website.